me this morning and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I've got three portions of scripture and for those in the sound booth, uh, in the media room, we're going to pull up the ones in Genesis, but I wanted them to turn to the one in Hebrews. And the first two portions of scripture, you can get off the screen. Uh, Genesis chapter 18, if you're taking notes and Genesis chapter 21. If the Lord allows, he tarries through today. This is the third and final installment on our series about the strength, the Lord being our strength. Genesis 18, verse 10. Is that on the screen for y'all? It's coming. Genesis 18. Tell me when. Y'all trust me to read it? <laughs> Genesis 18, beginning with verse 10. And the Lord said to Abram and Sarah, I will return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were very old, advanced in years. And the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah, which meant she had already many years post-menopause and her womb was dead. And Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And at the point in time, I will turn to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid, but the Lord said, no, but you did laugh. Can I, before we go to the next portion of scripture, I just feel prompted to share this with you. Did you notice this pattern in the home? And I'm speaking this to the men here. With any spiritual problem in your home, you may not be responsible for the negative, but God deals with you. He went to Abraham and said, why did Sarah laugh? We are responsible. We are the covering. We are the head. That doesn't mean better. It means that God deals with us. The blessing flows this way. And we are responsible for there to be spiritual harmony and wholeness in our family. We can't make them be that way, but God will deal with us for that in our home. And we need to take that responsibility, not just seriously, but joyfully. Okay. Genesis chapter 21 and Jehovah visited Sarah, this is verse 1, Genesis 21, 1. And Jehovah visited Sarah just like he said, and he did just as he had spoken. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the appointed time which God had spoken to him. And Abram called the name of his son who was born to him, and that Sarah bore to him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh and all that here will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that and Sarah would then have uh, give children suck for I've borne him a son in his old age. Now Hebrews eleven eleven, our main text. If you're there, say amen. Through faith. Not works, not hope, not mental agreement, but through faith. Sarah received strength to conceive. 
seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Why? Because she judged God faithful who had promised. Sarah received strength to do the impossible. Women with dead wombs can't have children. Men with no seed can't produce children. But Sarah, through faith, received a divine enablement that made possible the impossible. It brought God's force into her weakness, God's life into her death, God's promise into her desperation. And it takes strength in our life not to survive. The goal of the Christian is not to grow old, but to grow up. It takes strength to not just know what God said, but to appropriate it for your life. Many people know the word of God, but they never see it fulfilled in their life because it takes strength, it takes tenacity, it takes a stand to believe the promises of God. And claim them as your own. I'm not talking about name it, claim it out of context. But when God gives you a word, and it's his word, you stand upon it and appropriate that. Sarah was the perfect example of the one that just needed strength. And faith grabbed it. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. I want to speak to you for the next few moments, right after I pray, on the subject, it takes strength. Let's pray together. Father, I know that I stand before you today uh, a weak and flawed vessel. and At times, Lord, a sinful vessel. And I acknowledge that in front of your people. I try to always uh, not present myself in a way that's not accurate or right. But your grace is sufficient for my life and it's sufficient for them. And I pray, O oh Lord, today that you could use me, if there's a way that you could use me for your glory, that you would do so, that you would anoint my lips, cause my heart to uh, burn this morning, Lord, that I would preach with an unction from heaven that would move us, that would pu pull back the drape and push back the clouds that are in our minds so that we might see it clearly and hear your voice clearly and act upon it and point back to this day. It was that Sunday that Pastor John talks about Sarah received strength. I turned the page. I changed the chapter. I changed the direction. And I changed my pace. That I might fulfill God's intentions and purposes in my life. May that happen today, Lord. For the glory of your son, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It takes strength in the natural world. You have to have rest. You have to have reward. You have to know that you're getting somewhere. We talked a couple weeks ago. You have to see the chips fly. Just to be a daddy, it takes strength. It takes strength to be a husband. It takes strength to be a mom. It takes strength to be a wife. It takes strength to be a person in the natural realm, period. Just to do the responsibilities that are yours. Just to exist takes strength. But for the Christian, in the same way it takes physical strength, Think of someone that works with manual labor outside and, uh, you know, digging ditches or building construction. The, the, the body depletes and you have to have a replenishing and, and a commitment to finish. But you can't do that without strength. You must have 
the wherewithal to do the labor, the youth, the years, the strength, the nourishment, but so much so more in the spiritual. To walk the narrow path, it takes strength. To walk uphill, it takes strength. To walk alone, it takes strength. To walk consistent, it takes strength. To walk pure, it takes strength. To walk consecrated, to walk victorious. And Sarah gives us this pattern. It's by faith. It's by not just the connectivity to Christ the person, but to his words. Jesus links himself to his words all the time. He said, if you'd be ashamed of me or my words, of you will I be ashamed when I come in the glory of my Father and with the holy angels. Him and his words. I find strength. You remember how I told you connected to the vine. The sap that flows through. But there is a, there is a, a different measure or expression of strength that comes from faith. There is strength that comes from union. But then when you get a promise from the Lord. When you get a word for the, from the Lord. It is living. It is eternal. It is Truth, not just fact, but truth. And Sarah gives us an example, and I want to give you just a couple of points this morning on this, of her life, and maybe you can find parallels to your own. Number one, if you're taking notes, it takes strength not to let your history define your future. It takes strength not to let your yesterdays be a prophet of your tomorrows. Sarah had a history of idolatry. Living in Ur of the land of the Chaldeans, she worshipped sun god and moon gods and uh, bowed down to sticks and, you know, all types of immoral behavior. That was the pagan nation she was in. Abram was the same. A lawlessness. A history of upheaval. Not only in her life before, but when God picked her up, picked Abram up, and Abram said, I've met the Lord and we have to relocate and we have to move. And she had to relocate from her hometown, uh, leaving familiarity, relationships, hopes, dreams, and start over. It takes strength for those of you that have had to relocate. And God has picked you up and moved you somewhere and moved you out of one circle of friends into another circle of friends, one profession into another, one church to another. It takes strength to live unsettled. She had a history of marital difficulty. She had a history of chronic disappointment. She had a history of relational tension at home, especially as God promised Abram and her a son, and the son never came. So she come up with this idea that Abram could take a concubine, which is kind of like a half-wife, a legal mistress, and you go into her and she'll have a child for me. And no sooner than the child was born, that woman began to mock Sarah and give her looks like this is what you can't provide for your husband. And Sarah went into Abraham's tent in his room. She said, my wrong be upon you and walked out. There it is again. Abraham's like, what did I do? I did, that was your idea. This wasn't my idea. No, but as the priest of the home, you had the opportunity to say, we will not travel this path. So again, it, it fell upon the man. But think of this in your history. What is it that you have to overcome? History of failures before Christ and after Christ. Upheaval. Unsettledness. 
Sarah trying to follow Abram and the Lord that she had not seen. Abram met. She hadn't met yet. She had to live a nomadic life. Instead of being settled, she knew where the grocery store was. She knew where to, you know, you swap the goats and the, the, the chickens. And the, she's just on the road now. Just try, not road, not like interstate road. Just traveling. It takes strength to live the life that's been dealt you. And some of us have never gotten over sins or failures or habits or wounds or something someone said or something someone didn't say or something they did and something they didn't do. It takes strength not to let your past be the prophet of your tomorrow. And I am not solely what has happened behind me. There's a reason that your rear view mirror is this big and your windshield is this big. Yes, I need to remember where I've been. Yes, I need to remember those excuses. But I, I see clearly, and I say this phrase often because it just makes my soul leap. That old song, I'm on my way to Zion, the beautiful city of Zion. I'm on my way to the city of God. And if I live in my past, now I am to learn from it. There are people I know, believers, that have shot off their toes. They just don't have toes. Just a little round, you know, just round with a little suction cup. You stick on it and they walk. There's no toes. Yes, we're supposed to learn from it, but I do not live in yesterday. I live in the hope of a God that can rewrite my story. He can take a blank page and come from heaven and just write something over it. And it has to be. It takes strength not to get bogged down. Do you, do you see your past more clearly than there is a hope for tomorrow? It's, it's, we're not supposed to ignore where we've been. But it's not the hope of our life. And it takes strength to carry disappointment. She hears a word from the Lord through Abram. We're going to have a child. And 25 years later... And all those times of the month where she found out, Abram come in and said, is it not this month? Not this month. 25 years. This is just your pastor being open before you. That's the hardest for me. Disappointment. By far. And it's not, the, it's not big things. It's cumulative Someone says, well, then you just don't have no faith. No, that's the problem. I, do, I, have, I have faith. Disappointment comes from unrealized expectations. When I'm believing and I'm disappointed, it doesn't make the appointment. She said, well, Abram, you said the Lord said. He did. Oh, 25 years. And then when she goes through menopause, you know, she didn't have to tell Abram that she was going through that. You don't have to ask. And she didn't have to tell. Let me skip on to number two. I just, I'm not going. <laughs> number two, it takes strength to live. And write the word live in all capitals. It takes strength to live your life. Not wake up, you know, uh, work hard all day, have your supper, go home and go to bed, wake up and do it again. That's called existing. But it takes strength to live your life. 
It is a tragedy for a life to be cut short. But the greater tragedy is someone who lives all of their years and never truly lived them. To be able to have the capacity to enjoy simple things, to laugh, to enjoy family and friends, to enjoy inside and outside, to celebrate the small moments with a child or a grandchild, to see the love of the Lord in the wag of your dog's tail when it sees you, to, 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 to live. I, it's been hard for me watching believers that are probably holier than me. You know, we don't drink, we don't chew, we don't smoke, we don't go with those that do. But just sour people, just, you know, kind of sulking. You know not to ask them how you're doing. How you, I'm so glad you asked. You go, oh, no. And by the time they're done with you, you're sitting on the bridge with them, ready just to quit. Now, yes, we have downtimes, but I had, I had a problem with this when I first became a believer. And I'm reading it, the preacher's preaching it. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life. Now, that's not just eternal life, and it's not future life. I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly in a hostile world, in difficult circumstances, in the minority, in the narrow way. There should be something about you that you are able to live in a way that other people don't have the strength to live. To live your life. She learned how to live with goodbyes. She learned how to live with the unfamiliar. She learned how to live unsettled. I told you about being nomadic. She learned how to live with aching voids. Are you able to have your prayer unanswered and still live? Oh, I thank the Lord for the freedom. It took long enough that I learned that it is possible to be sorrowful yet rejoicing, Paul said. Not rejoicing with no sorrow. He said, I am sorrowful. Yet rejoicing, I can be unanswered and yet look to God as the answer to all my problems. I can have hopelessness and hope. Oh, no, you can't. Yes, you can. The situation can be hopeless. Abraham uh, believed against hope when there was no hope. The believer that can live where they are, live where they're planted, live in the valley or live in the mountain, live in sickness, live in health. Live in popularity and live in being invisible to other people. The capacity to live your life takes strength. I want to, if Jesus tarries, I want to be the joyful, jovial, little kid grandpa. You know, like, how old is he? He's like 80. He acts like a little kid. I, I, want to, I want to have that capacity because life is so, sorrowful and sullen and hard on its own. I need strength to be able to not just navigate that, but laugh at a moment's notice as well. See, we want to get everything near perfect. We have destination disease. If I can get this job, this man, this woman, this house, this car, this projection, then life's going to be good. And the truth is that when you get there, you realize it's just a mirage and the only capacity for life is inside of you, not outside of you. Because with more money comes more 
problems for those of y'all listening to stations you shouldn't listen to. <laughs> to live your life. She learned how to live with consuming regret and failures. I think it's we're so self-aware and we wonder how we're coming across to people and we're so concerned about their opinions that we use all of our energy trying to project something instead of having the goods. I want to be able to laugh. I want to laugh with belly laughter. I want to smile. I want, I want, I know this. I've preached this for 30 years that someone has been dealt the hand that you have been dealt and they made a life out of it. They're good. Their soul's good. Years ago, I told y'all about uh, two ladies at my home church. I'll change the names to protect the guilty. Um, they were sisters. Neither one of them married. And right at the same age. And one of them was just as sweet. I mean, just breath smell like carnation milk. Sweet. You know, just, she just, <laughs> I don't know where that comes from, Rob. Sorry. It just, she was just sweet. I'd say, hey, and I'd call her name. She'd go, hey, John. And the other one I'd say, hey, see, I called her aunt something. And I called the other one sister something. And she, she just, her mouth was curled. You know how you get that smoker circle? Like you smoke all those years. And, and she, you know, but you put them in and nobody knows. It's no problem. Uh, don't get, please don't write me about that. Where, uh, she just scowled and I'd say, I'd make it a point to go, good morning. And I'd hug her, you know, and, and I remember going into uh, the sister's hospital room. And this is just one example. And there was a square patch taken off her leg. There's no skin and they patched it on the other to do something. She was having all kind of difficulty. And I, I'll call her Kay. I said, Aunt Kay, how you doing? Oh, baby, this body ain't working hardly at all. But sit down, sit down. God has been so good to me. And the healthy one coming in the room, mean as a snake, sour. Both of them have the same God, same life, same opportunities, and two different expressions. One lived and one was dead while she lived. Well, I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure if they want you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I mean, great, yeah, by grace, but you, if you have a say in it, put her on the other side of the house, something. Now, I'm joking, but in all honesty, I think in that day they will be so ashamed that they had so much and frowned so often. Everyone around you has had tragedy that if they told you about it, your jaw would hit the floor. If you knew who they buried, if you knew what they lost, if you knew what the spouse did, if you knew who left, if you knew of the physical abuse, the sexual abuse, the neglect, the harm at work, the harm at home, troubles within, troubles without, depression, anxiety, fear, physical problems. If you knew, and the reason you don't know is because they have learned how to live while dying. My outer man is perishing but my inward man is being renewed day by day. And what you see on the outside falling apart is temporary. It's not my home. It will go to dust and God will recreate me and resurrect me from the dead. Yes.
The reason we don't live, live, is because we spend our energy trying to get everything near perfect instead of getting everything near Jesus. That is it. Martha, Martha. Oh, this ain't in my notes, but this is better than my notes, so I'll tell y'all. Now, I reserve the right to preach on this later because I've got it working. Uh, Y'all remember the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus and the disciples came? And Martha, Martha's who you want, baby. She she sees y'all coming. Hey, everybody, I'll be with you. Pots and pans are going. She's getting everything together. She's making the head count. Are there any more coming? She's not greeting people. She's assessing systems. Got, Got to warm this, get the oven going. And she didn't have a preheat. You see, when oven, it means cold sticks. There's a lot to it. And Mary (laughs) is sitting at Jesus's feet. And then she starts doing, I know none of you women do this. I know y'all don't. You serve loudly. I'll go ahead and confess me. It ain't Kelly, it's me. In our home, the roles are reversed. I'm kind of like the wife in the sense I like neat and organized. And Kelly just enjoys people. And I'm like, is the grill on? Or do we have anything? You know, but so, you know, that's why they like her <laughs> better than me. But that's not important right now. It's a totally separate thing. So Martha is starting to send the signals. For you. For your glory, I'm doing this. And she comes out. Christ is preaching who he is. Not the written Bible, the living word of God. Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I wouldn't interrupt for nothing. You know I wouldn't. But would you please tell Mary... (laughs) All these people, didn't ask no disciples, uh, Mary, to come in and help me. It's just about all that I can do. <laughs> he said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. One thing's needful, and she chose that part, and it'll never be taken from her. Now, pan back, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. He didn't say you were troubled about lunch. He spoke... With the eyes of God, he said, your life is all about trouble. You are troubled about your house. You are troubled about how you look. You are troubled about uh, growing old. You're troubled about your uh, position in the community. You're troubled at how the older women view you. You're troubled how the younger women view you. You want to be known as this kind of host. Martha, can't you see that you're not living? Don't you, Martha? Now I'm going to show you something about Mary that may change the way you view her. Because I know all the Marthas, y'all are all ruffled and say, well, if it wasn't for us, it wouldn't get done. Okay, yeah, yeah. Can I put a comma there instead of a period? So you know what work is like. Yes, you know what it takes. Yes, you're the organizer. You know what it's gonna, the hours, the time. Yes. Then why would you pick Mary? Of all the people to get to help you, You knew Mary could make it happen. We don't ask sorry people to help us in the kitchen. Men, we don't ask lazy people to help us out in the yard. We want somebody to go out. So Mary was a Martha that knew how to live. 
Because if she was sorry, you said, and the last person you need to bring in here is Mary. Just let her stay seated because she don't help with nothing. But Martha knew that Mary could make it happen just like she did. And Jesus said, Martha, don't you see you're troubled about everything? And Mary has found the needful thing. And then when he was done teaching, Mary went in there, put the apron on, and made it happen. If we would give up our excuses and start living in the small moments, we'd find it easier to live in the larger ones because it would be our habit. It takes strength, number three, to not only believe God's word, but appropriate it. Believe it is truth, not just fact. Believe it is personal truth as well as corporate. Believe without trying to manipulate its arrival. Believe it without wavering, doubting, or turning back. Believe with joyful expectation. It's one thing to believe God's word and another thing to appropriate it. You can't say, I believe that the Bible's the inspired word of God and none of it's for you. When he says that we should have abundant life, how readest thou? When he said that we should experience, now we still experience all the other, joy unspeakable and full of glory. That we ought to have a vibrant hope, a faith-filled expression, an anticipation of goodness and mercy following me every day of my life. That with the morning when I wake up, there'll be new mercies. Loving kindness the next day. That ought to be in there. It ought to be in the mix. It's one thing to say, oh, we, we, these people that say the Bible's not the inspired word of God, and we just stand and we stand, but we don't believe it for ourselves. We just want them to say that they believe it. The Lord is my healer, period. The Lord is my source, period. He's my strength. When, when I'm in dismay or frustrated, I lift up mine eyes into the hills when it's cometh my help. My help cometh from God, always has and always will. I'm not asking you what you believe, like intellectually. I'm asking you, what do you experience? If the Lord is for you, then why would, if the Lord is the strength of your life, of whom would you be afraid? The devil believes and what we define as belief, he's saying, now that's the son of God seated, seated at the right hand. That's Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. And the demons, uh, have you come to torment us before the time? Oh, they, they mentally ascend, but they never appropriated the glories of those statements. The greatest tragedy in this lifetime is that you would have spent a life not alive that you would believe things that you never appropriated, where the Bible says he is our peace. You know how we get peace? We take 25 cent worth of prayer and we're trying to get it in the machine and somebody put a coin in and it's in the way and I can't put the, turn it, turn it, turn it, get 25 cent worth of peace out, enough to make it through the day. He's our peace. He is our peace. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. For nothing. Well, you just don't understand. No, you don't understand. 
The things that are happening in your life happen in believers' lives all over the world. Calamity, mistreatment, things that aren't right that happen to all of us. But some have learned the secret, like my Aunt Kay, to live anyway and to bring great glory to God, to appropriate God's word. It's one thing to say, I believe Jesus leaves the 99 to go find the one. And it's another thing when it's your baby out in the world and your baby's living an adulterous or a homosexual lifestyle. And it's another thing when you don't have money to make the ends meet and you stand there and say, I've been faithful to the Lord and he is my provider. I don't know how, I don't know when, and I don't know where, but I have appropriated his track record into my present situation. Good night. Fluff my pillow and go to bed. I don't have nothing to worry about. Could it be? Thank you very much. Could it be that you, you know, that, could it be that we are way more educated far past our experience? Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me. So. Stop. Loves you which means committed to you, which means he's protecting you, preserving you, providing for you, not based on limited resources like a man would in this world, but with omnipotence and omnipresence and with power and glory. And when he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When I understand that I'm loved, I act loved. And I'm not waiting on somebody else to love me, to complete me. That may be a wonderful blessing. You add a spouse, he that findeth the wife findeth the good thing. Most of the time. Uh, he that findeth the husband findeth the good thing. Most of the time. But the completeness is found in him. And all the other is temporal, not eternal. All right. Very quickly, number four. It takes strength to see God's promises more clearly than your problems. It takes strength to see God's promises more clearly than your problems. I bet for her to hear that, you're going to have a baby by this time next year. If anybody's in tune with, her, with their body, that woman knows, I can't have a baby. She's not asking Abraham, what do you think? She's like, I, I can't have a child. The necessary house, the womb, the, the egg is not present. The seed from the man is not present. The necessary ingredients for God to keep his word are not present. That's where it takes strength. It takes strength to put more focus on that statement from God than your experience in the now. Don't lie about the now. Charismatic Pentecostal teachers will tell you, don't, don't speak life to it. Oh, come on. God doesn't get any glory in you lying about anything. Liars don't even make it to heaven. Say, how are you, Sarah? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm, 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 my womb is alive. No, no, no. How about this? I am postmenopausal. And I cannot have a child, but God said, I'm going to have a baby. And I choose to lean on that promise and let the world say what it's going to say. Let my experience say what it's going to say. Let nature say what it's going to say. But God has the final word in my life and let God be true. Let God be true. What about you? If I were to ask you, how's it going? When we're struggling and we all struggle, 
and you take five or ten minutes and tell me about the struggles. And they say, but I know the Lord's able. So we get ten minutes describing the situation, and God gets a hashtag. Right? We ought to be able to more clearly articulate our expectation in God than we do the description of our circumstances. So, oh, this is horrible. There's no hope. There's no help. But God is on my side. And the Lord hath spoken. And when you see these things in the Bible, just, just walk outside. Everything that you see appears from things that did not appear. There were no variables. There were no pieces to make creation. When he made Adam, he just made the little mud man out of the creek and stood him up. Okay. There's no life there. And he breathed in him the breath of life. Abram, he gives him seed, past age. He gives Sarah a womb. We say things like, I'm just keeping it real. I'm just, no, we're focusing on the insufficiencies of our life and not on the sufficiencies of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ in us. I want to be more clearly, I want to clear, more clearly articulate his promises and what he said. Well, I can't tell you about all that. I, I, I don't understand all that. How are my children going to find us when God gave me that promise? You won't find your children, they'll find you. I don't know. You want me just to focus on the fact that I was 40, uh, how old was I when we got married? 46 when we got married, and I've been sterile all my life, and I can't have children. Is that what you, you know, people want you to say over and over? How many tests did you have? Two. And, and I'm not trying to be crass. I'm trying to give you a clarity in this. When they do those tests in a sample of a man's uh, seed, there would be a certain amount of living organisms, certain amount in a sample, hundreds of thousands, if you will. Man told me I didn't have none. I said, I remember in the doctor's office, I said, I got some. And he said, no, you don't have any. So no seed. He said, none. I said, so completely sterile. Yes. So how does a Sarah have a baby? How does John and Kelly have a baby? I, I'm not denying those things. But if God said our children are going to find us, then they're going to find us. And that's all I need to know. And that faith makes it possible for you to appropriate the promises and receive strength to make it happen. So instead of the womb, when the phone call came, we say yes. And two years later, we get a phone call. I watched your story on Facebook. Do you want a little boy? Yes. We met the mama of Elisha the day he was born. We spent 10 minutes with her and she said, okay, I just wanted to meet y'all. That's it. That's it. What promise have you forgotten? What promise is in your room but this dust covered on the shelf that you stopped believing for because the wait was so long and the disappointment was so progressive and cumulative? What happened for you to now be able to more clearly articulate what is missing than what God has said? To have faith, you must know God's will on the issue. To have faith, you must be convinced of God's faithfulness. To have faith, you must be surrendered to God's process. To have faith, you must appreciate the complexity of God's timing. 
To have faith, you must be aware of God's working. And to live in faith, you must keep your uh, heart, discipline your mind, and weigh your words. Much of the process has to do with maturation and the fact that God hears every chuckle of unbelief. You might not say it to someone else. You go, well, I'm glad it happened for you. We ain't got none. That's why people can't bring themselves to dance with you when you're happy. Christians are great about crying with people when they cry, but they're not happy when people are happy. They won't celebrate their house or their car. Must be nice. It's all withered up and soured because we feel that they have access to something that we would never have access to. They don't live. Kelly and I talked about it. How many times we moved baby in the first five? We had five, six times in, in eight years. I told y'all we did Bloomfield by the sea. We had uh, Lake Wildwood house. We had lived in a mother-in-law apartment. We moved back to our house on uh, Riverdale, and then we went to Brookfield, and now we're in Forsyth. And I'm being honest with you. I loved every one of them. And that, that is a, a, a rich place to be in when you're not only able to live, but you understand that everything God wants for me, I want that. And everything he doesn't want for, for me, I don't want those things. It takes strength, though. Let me just tie that together. To, to focus more on the promise. What did God say? And if God gave you a promise about your marriage or your body or your children or your, your resources, bank on it. Write songs about it. Put it on bathroom mirror. Put it in the door. Uh, I watched my wife... She would be in one end of the house, and it was never dramatic, but I'd hear her crying and sniffling and praying, asking God for the child. And I said, I said, Father, for a man, that just, you know, I told him, I said, just take some years off my life. Not like, you know, he needs a bargain. I said, just, you know, take 10 years off my life. Give her, give her a baby. And it clears a bell in my heart. I felt like the Lord said, you think I need something from you to bless her and take care of her? Like, you're the key to her? No, you're accountable, but you ain't key. Don't get those confused. And she set up the nursery. Some of y'all didn't know that. She hung the picture. She painted the room. No call, no babies, no nothing. She said, that's all I know to do is tell you that I believe. And listen, she exercised way more faith than I did because I heard his voice. She didn't. I heard a divine voice. She heard my voice. You see the difference? And she said, I'll take that word. Every paint stroke, those babies are being formed in that womb over there. Every drape hung. And by the time we brought our babies home, their room was ready because mama was focusing more on the promises than the problem. Isn't that good? Would you mind blessing the Lord just for his faithfulness? Ben, if you, uh, the worship team, if you guys would come. I got more sermon than I got time, so. Can I read this to y'all very quickly? It takes strength to let God's power flow into your weakness. Let it flow during the wait. The Bible says it's through faith and patience that you inherit the promises. 
To wait effectively, you must have absolute trust in the one you're waiting on. To wait patiently, you have to believe the reward is worth the wait. I've noticed a pattern of greater in my life's journey with God. The greater the void, the greater the fulfillment. The greater the darkness today, the, greater the, the brighter the skies are tomorrow. The greater the sorrow, the fuller the joy. The greater the weakness, the greater supply of strength. The greater the loss, the greater the restoration. And the greater the storm, the deeper the peace. It takes strength to bring life out of death. Sarah did not know how God was going to do it, but she knew the only way to it was by faith. She would say, my faith, if she took the microphone today, she'd say, my faith brought his strength into my situation. My faith brought his strength into my difficulty, his strength into my desperation. I receive strength to conceive, strength to carry, strength to bring forth, and strength to raise Isaac in the fear of God. It took faith, but I had strength to believe and then experience what I'd long been given up on and what I thought was impossible. Strength to lose myself in the current of God's will and be an eyewitness to his glory. It's not less difficulty that you need, it's more strength. It's not less difficulty that you need, it's more strength. So believe now, believe fully, believe wholeheartedly, believe unashamedly. Let your faith birth earnest prayers and these earnest prayers will be answered with miraculous and divine intervention. Finally, it takes faith to bring forth what God has placed inside of you. Regardless of the season, well, autumn's coming. This window's closed. When God gives you a promise, then everything in that promise, that promise is pregnant with everything you need for it to come Oh, I hope you get this from inside of you. Everything in the spiritual realm is birthed inside of you by faith. Birth. We, an example would be we bring forth Jesus to other people. Now, we don't pull it up out of ourselves. It's Christ in us. It's made revelation to us. You carry a promise. Sometimes it's nine months. Sometimes it's nine weeks, nine days nine years you carry the promise until your water breaks and then you get to see that's why I wanted that's why we had our wedding in this church that's why we held our children up in front of you we wanted you to see what come full term out of dead wombs barren barren women dead men the Bible says in verse 11 that Sarah was delivered of a child when she was past age God does some of his greatest work when it's too late. And it takes great strength to carry your promise full term. It takes great strength to have it born. And it takes great strength to raise it in this world. Finally, Abram named the boy Isaac. I thought that Sarah named him. And as I was doing my study, I just wanted to make sure. And it said, Abram named him Isaac. And he wasn't taking shots at Sarah. He loved Sarah. Sarah was good to that man. You read the story. She took a lot of stuff. And he, not pointing at her flaw, but pointing to her strength. 
He said, I tell you what, let's name him Isaac, which means laughter. Because Sarah, I watched the Lord change you to where you went from laughing at God to laughing with God. So every morning, laughter, get up, it's time to go to school, baby. Laughter, clean this room up, laughter. And she said it. She told you, she said, and God has made me to laugh so that you can laugh along. Isn't this crazy? Isn't, isn't this just crazy? And we named him laughter so we'd never forget. Sarah received strength by faith to bring forth all that God had planned for her life. If this type of overcoming life was easy, more people would overcome. But it's available for you today by faith. Our worship team's gonna lead us in this last song, but if you'll stand with us, I wanna pray over us first. Church family, if you're at home with this, would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Fill me, Lord, with your strength. I believe that your promises are yes and amen. The grass withereth and the flower falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. The grass withereth, the flower falleth away, but he that believeth shall endure unto the end. God, we trust you. We believe, we believe that we are going to have strength today that we didn't have yesterday because of the word of God in our heart. Accept our praise, we pray, O oh Lord.